Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the number one daily sports news podcast in the country, The Scorecard. I'm Brett Thomas, and this is your fast, fun hit of sport for Friday, September 8th. Today, a preview of tonight's sold-out Carlton v Sydney knockout final at the MCG. Can the Broncos weather the storm in the NRL? The Wallabies fullback switch ahead of the Rugby World Cup, and a pair of Matildas up for FIFA's highest individual honour. But first... For the next week, this is all we will be hearing about. Braden Maynard's bump that concussed Angus Brayshaw in last night's qualifying final. That was midway through a fiery first quarter. From the opening bounce when Mason Cox floored Max Gorn, you could see the pie's intent to destabilise the Ds. I'm going to be doing this. If you get hit, it's your own fault. The Maynard incident in real time and even in slow-mo was just an attempted spoil with the Magpies defender collecting Brayshaw on the way down. But given the focus on concussion, the pending lawsuits facing the AFL and Brayshaw's history with head knocks, it seems certain a suspension of some kind will be dished out. But the tribunal has showed this year that it's not afraid to overrule the match review officer. It's outrageous, egregious, preposterous. <laughs> So there's no doubt in my mind the Magpies will challenge any suspension, whether that's one or two weeks, given what's at stake. The Swans managed to get Tom McCartan off a bump band, despite Crows forward Shane McAdams suffering a broken cheekbone a few weeks ago. Their argument was it was just a football act, and you can make the same case for Maynard. Not surprisingly, the two coaches have differing views, starting with Demons coach Simon Goodwin and then Collingwood's Craig McRae. That'll be sorted out during the week, but you know, we've got a pretty shattered player in there. Yeah, look, you can only go by the facts. He jumped off the ground and knocked a guy out. The act itself, I didn't look like it had much malice, but I, you know, I'll leave it up to others to decide if that's yeah, worthy of a suspension or not. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So the Pies are off to a prelim after a seven-point win while the Demons are into a sudden-death semi-final against either Carlton or Sydney, who face off tonight at another sold-out MCG. It's the Blues' first final in a decade. They will have the crowd support on their side. Skipper Paddy Cripps and Sam Doherty return, while Blake Akers has been cleared of a shoulder injury. But it's Charlie Curnow who's the most intriguing player to watch, the Coleman medalist playing in his first-ever final. That part is perfect for him. It'll make him a big star. And I reckon the only thing that can stop him is the weather. A wet night forecast again at the G will make life tough for the key forwards. The Swans have called up Lewis Malican for his first game since round 18 after rehabbing a hamstring injury. Getting supply to the Blues forward line will be the key for them and the key for the Swans to limit. Dual All-Australian Lee Montagna says that's where the game will be won or lost. This is simply two contrasting styles. So over the back end of the season, Carlton are the best team at winning clearance and scoring from clearance. Sydney are the best team at winning from turnover, winning turnovers and scoring off turnovers. So if Carlton can absorb Sydney's pressure, because Sydney are the best pressure team in the comp, and handball their way through and get out from clearance, Carlton will get the game on their terms and they'll win. If Sydney can apply that ferocious pressure and strip Carlton and win the ball off them and challenge them defensively, Carlton have been uh, had a weakness with their ability to stop that off turnover. I think the Swans can win. But in saying that, I think the Carlton around the footy have been so good the back end of the year. They're too strong. They're too tough. Uh, I think they're ready for this occasion. I don't think they'll be overawed, and I can just see them being too too brutally big for Sydney and win this game.
Collingwood exercised their demons in the AFL last night. Tonight, the Broncos get the chance to do the same in the NRL. There's a storm coming! 2009 is the last time Brisbane beat Melbourne Storm at Suncorp Stadium, or the Cauldron as Broncos fans call it, but there's been nothing imposing for the Storm at that ground. The Broncos have been their bunny. 14 wins in a row is a streak you can't ignore, despite Kevin Walters' best efforts. I mean, we're 23 rounds in and we've played some good football. We all understand, we've all recognised, players, staff, that we, there's still some more to go. And uh, when we get to that point, we'll let the competition go. And I'm willing to agree with Kevy. His Broncos are a young team led by a captain in Adam Reynolds who's only in his second season in Brisbane, so doesn't carry the same scars, and neither does Reese Walsh. Do I fear the storm? <laughs> no, I don't. We've got a, you know, an awesome team, awesome squad here. The 21-year-old emerging superstar fullback is in his first season at Red Hill and has been a revelation not just for the Bronx, but his role in Queensland's origin triumph over New South Wales. Panthers Premiership hero Mark Guy reckons the failures of the past are just that, in the past, for this Broncos side. This is a different team we're watching. I think I look at the two teams, I think they're both their four packs are very, very strong, and I think... In the end, it's going to be the back line from the Broncos that will win this game for them. You know, obviously, Pappenhausen's back on the bench. But when you've got such a dynamic outside five that they're, you know, to not have Corey Oates in your team because of, of form, but Jesse Arthur's on the wing instead of him, it's it's a big it's a big signal you're going to play, for, play, with, play speed. There's not a lot expected from the Wallabies at Rugby's World Cup in France starting Sunday morning against Georgia. Eddie Jones effectively waved the white flag in picking a squad full of youth. Young people, everything's for young people. The coach, it seems, believing the old guard were no chance anyway, so why not set them up for the future when the World Cup returns to Australia in 2027? And he's taken another gamble, selecting Ben Donaldson at fullback despite playing just four tests. His goal-kicking seen as a weapon and an X-factor in close games. As of two days ago, though, the Waratahs star didn't know if he'd be at fullback or fly half. At the moment, just at 10. Over the TRC, a lot at fullback. But yeah, at the moment, just at 10. But, you know, Eddie said to me, um, be over my role, my roles and knowledge at 10 and 15. It's pretty crucial to be able to cover those two positions. Um, but yeah, at the moment, mainly at 10. So that's one of three changes to the side, given a lesson by France in their final warm-up game. Marika Korobiti replaces Suliasi Vunivalu on the wing, while Samu Karevi is back from a hand injury. <laughs> Maybe the Wallabies can take some inspiration from the Matildas' run at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Two of their stars are in the running for the highest individual honour in the world game, the Ballon d'Or. Sam Kerr has finished third the last two years in a row. She's again put forward a strong case, winning the English Cup and League double with her club Chelsea last season. And there's another contender from the Matildas as well in Hayley Razzo, who's signed to play with Real Madrid this season. But it does seem like Kerr and Razzo will miss out. You should wash your mouth. I hate to say it, but Aitana Bonmarti, who led Spain to World Cup glory, is the hot favourite. And that's your fast, fun, weekending hit of sport. Catch you next week on The Scorecard. Listener.